Welcome to the Early American Brass Band Podcast. I'm Chris Troiano, joined always by Stephen Canastrisi. Hello. This is episode 44, and today we're speaking with Jim Ludlam. Jim is the founder and the leader of the Fort Delaware Cornet Band. He's also involved with the P-Patch Brass Quintet and Recycled Brass Tuba Quartet. He often gives presentations titled Sounds of the Past, and he is the recent author of a book titled The History of Community Bands in Salem County, New Jersey. So we're super thankful for having Jim on the show today for taking the time to speak with us, and we're really looking forward to sharing this conversation with all of you today. Yeah, very fun to record, and uh, we'll just roll the tape now, I guess. Thank you so much, Jim Ludlum, for coming on to the Early American Brass Band Podcast. Thank you so much. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, we're doing great. Thanks doing for well. thanks for taking time out of your Friday morning, almost afternoon, to speak with us. We're super excited to talk to you about uh, your book, your research, and your experience in early brass bands. Maybe we could talk a little bit first about your, your musical upbringing and what kind of brought you into uh, the field where we are today. So can you maybe talk to that a little bit? Sure. Um, my, my current vocation right now is um, I'm retiring, early retirement, but I've been a band director, high school band director for the past 24 years. Um, got my bachelor of music from Rowan University in Glassboro, New Jersey. Um, done an awful lot of playing around uh, with brass, orchestra, all those kinds of things. And, um, you know, just been really involved with the whole education thing, which is kind of what got me well, just to get a jump ahead a little bit, that's kind of what we enjoy doing with this Fort Delaware Cornet Band is it's more than just, you know, playing concerts as they were, but we like to educate, um, you know, the audiences that we're in front of. So the thing is, I guess music education has been, you know, been my A1 priority for the past 24 years. Mm-hmm. With your background in education and, and playing music, this idea of early bands, early brass bands, the the 19th century civil war, all those things are these interests that kind of developed over time as an interest as an educator, or is it something that you kind of fell into later? Uh, I guess it was kind of later. Actually, I started off, but believe it or not, it was not, not that anybody's ever a fan of a war, but like my interest laid more with, like the revolutionary war period of of the united states and i happen to be um you know a son of uh the american revolution and i take care of a family cemetery plot a little cemetery which has all my the ancestors that fought in the revolutionary war down in cape may new jersey so that's where it all like i have like this huge interest in history um Civil War, I never really gave much thought about. I was kind of like, ah, you know, they didn't found America. You know, this is where my, my roots are in, in mm-hmm. the American Revolution. And then um, when I was teaching, uh, one of the student teachers for the uh, choir, high school choir teacher, she came and met her and she said, uh, look, there's a, a Civil War 
brass band that plays out of Glassboro, New Jersey, which is half an hour from where I live. Mm. And I was like, eh, I don't know. That sounds kind of like square. I don't know if I want to do that or whatever, you know. So she said, no, come on out. And I love playing the tuba. So I said, you know, it's another night out. I'll go check it out. So I went out to the rehearsal and um, I brought my my double C, which is my normal horn that I play on. I yeah. do play on C tuba. Mm-hmm. And I went out and I, I, I left it in my car because I was like, do they have horns for people to play? And she said, yeah, yeah, they have extra horns, this, that, and the other. I said, well, so I thought to myself, well, you know what? I'm not going to go in and like embarrass myself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to play E flat and I go in. So I went in and they were super nice. And I was like, I brought my horn out in the car. You know, let me go grab it. They're like, no, here, sit down and play this E flat. It's real easy. You know, mm-hmm. they, you know, they gave the, the, the cheat sheet of how you play, you know, add three sharps and play trumpet fingering, just say another thing. So, and it was lucky that, you know, being a band director, like my trumpet fingerings were pretty solid. So I was like, okay. So it was a nice, uh, it was a nice learning environment because there was like no stress about it. Everybody was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I got into, I was like, well, this is all like cool music. I've never heard any of this kind of stuff. And it still has like this history thing about it. so I said, you know what, I'm going to check this out. So I played with them for a bunch of years. And what, which group is this? This is, um, I don't know if you've heard of, it's the Philadelphia Brigade Band. Okay, yeah. Also known as Beck's Band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Um, they were uh, they were with, the, I think it was the uh, 28th Pennsylvania. And there's a weird story there. The band had split up and they became Beck's. And then there's another 28th Pennsylvania band, but they're not the same group anymore. Yeah. Um, both of their websites have like disclaimers that they're not associated with each other. <laughs> exactly. And that's where we get into like the politics of how bands and stuff work. I won't get into that, but yeah. there's a story there if you ever wanted to investigate. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, so when I got involved with that, I got online and uh, I loved it. So like, you know, I was totally hooked. Like we did the, you know, the uniform thing was cool. You got to wear uniforms. Just stand and then we did, I had never been to Gettysburg before. And the band um, plays there every Remembrance Weekend, which I, I think it's usually falls like near like the third weekend in uh, November. Yeah. So they on that Friday night and Saturday night out in Gettysburg during that weekend, they always have these these really large balls. Um, one which is run by the um, Sons of Union Veterans mm-hmm. on that Saturday night, and we had an opportunity. It's the first time I'd ever been out there, and like so we went out. And first of all, I was just amazed to be like you know, present in history in Gettysburg, out there looking at the monuments and thinking about everything that had gone down there. Um, and I played this ball and everybody was in period gowns. And it was like, holy, like, this was like a whole world, man. Like, this was like living in a Star Wars movie. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> in a whole nother world. And, uh, so yeah. it was great. So I loved it. Um, but like, there was, I just, it just didn't feel like I wanted it to be like, I had my own ideas, like what I thought musicianship should be. And, and, you know, I guess we'll talk about it later, but like, you know, my own uh, preference on period horns and you know, having everybody on a period horn versus mixed and, and this other band, they do some of those kinds of things. Like they use mix mm-hmm. uh, modern and, and uh, <clears throat> modern and period horns. And mm-hmm. you know, that can always be a bear when it comes to intonation and those yeah. kinds of things. And plus trying to play a period horn that might, not be in the best um playing condition 
Yeah. Which makes it even harder to keep it in tune, let alone that. So any, anyway, so I said, you know, I want to try something else. So I got online. I, I found Yari through Federal City and I kind of lied to him. I, he was, I saw they had this, they were going to go play um, this thing that Ken Burns used to have when it was the um, 150th anniversary. They were doing like this tour thing that Ken Burns was running. Hmm. They would take, uh, I guess you would meet up in Washington, D.C., through his tour company or whatever production he had put together. And then they would like kind of take you to all different um, historic spots to deal with the civil war. So mm-hmm. they were going to have like this pseudo dance uh, demonstration mini concert in, and I believe it was, you'd have to ask Yari, but I think it was in the old, I don't It's like the old, it was like a civil war, uh, national post office or something i can't remember exactly what it was but big columns and it was looked great it was that that period Mm. so i i had gotten messaged him online and said look i'm interested in coming down and playing like a real period horn because i hadn't played a period horn yet at that point i was playing like this Mm. early 1900s e-flat tuba which wasn't you know what i mean i was like i never Mm -hmm. i'd love to play like this over the shoulder thing or whatever and he he messaged me back he's like look i see you're a band director um we're looking for a tenor horn player for this show and i was like oh i can do that that's now i don't play tenor from you know anything you know but so i kind of like fudged my way in and went down and i did fairly well (laughs) i think and um so played the concert and got hooked up with the band and played with them for several years they eventually playing down the e-flat horn uh the flat tuba and um so like when i there was like phase two of like eye opening of like okay this is really how it's supposed to be like these guys are all serious players we're all playing on you know period instruments and playing them well mm-hmm. and getting and playing in these phenomenal uh venues mm-hmm. um that are meaningful you know you know and um mm-hmm. so at that point that was still quite a drive so any kind of jobs we were doing it was usually like virginia and south so anything like to do a job with them would be like a minimum of like a two-hour drive and then like some were like four-hour drives when we were playing i mean like southern virginia and things like that Mm -hmm. um so i said you know what i want to start something that's i I see the template here of what you already had done the federal city i said you know i want to do something like that but closer to here that has that same kind of quality to it. Um, so I've been over to uh, Fort Delaware, which is from where I live. Um, it's a boat ride over, but it's about 20 minutes to get to the dock and then and the mm-hmm. ride over the fort. And a friend of mine and my wife, we were just, we were so like trying out like this whole like Civil War hobby thing. So we had music was cool. We were doing it. And, but I already had that part of my life. So I said, you know what? I'm going to try like to do like this real reenactment thing. Like I'm going to, you know, they mm-hmm. call them instead of being a tutor, I was going to become a shooter. You know what I mean? I was going to carry <laughs> the gun instead of toot the horn. So I said, this is, this is cool. I went over to like this. It was like a, they, they call them um, school, the soldier. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. And basically what it is, is like, if you, it's what they do is they teach you like how to carry your gun, how to fire your gun, how to take care of your gun, you know, how to march this, that, and the other thing. Mm-hmm. So we went over to Fort Delaware and it was, it was cool, but it was like, kind of like I was forcing it like, nah, you know, I don't think I really want to do this. But then when I was over there, 
And talking to the guys there, they said, you know, and they knew I was a musician. They said, did you know that we had, a, there was a band station here at the fort? I said, you're kidding me. No, I, I didn't know that. So that's where I came with the idea. Well, you know, what if I want to do something locally and this is right across, you know, across the river, you know, why not do that? So I started doing research with the Fort Delaware Cornet Band, found out that they had followed just like, just like, you know, you find out with community bands, like they follow their, you know, a lot of the community bands just like joined up with their local militia or whatever. And when it was the same thing happened over there, they yeah. were out of Pittsburgh. Um, Battery G, when they all went out to the fort, their band went with them. Mm-hmm. So these guys from, uh, you know, from Pittsburgh area, you know, they came over and did their own thing. So I said, you know, we can do that. Or, you know, other guys do this. So that was like where it all kind of started. And then I just kind of like cherry picked some guys from Federal City that, you know, that wanted other opportunities to play. And plus being a band director, I knew a lot of pretty, pretty good musicians that maybe were interested in history. And, <laughs> uh, you know, and we started up our own thing. And that's been, I guess, what, eight, nine years ago. We've been trying awesome. to do it, you know, the right way, which, you know, I can't, I can't give enough props to, you know, Yari for giving me that opportunity to come and play with Federal for all those years and see how it's really, you know, I mean, he's, he's an encyclopedia of information, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. about anything, not only about writing the music, but, you know, playing it and appropriate ways. And mm-hmm. so that's yeah, the, yeah, I kind of gave you the whole thing there about, how oh, that's... about but yeah. that's, that's that was the genesis of how uh you know we started this fort delaware thing Mm -hmm. that's awesome i'm curious not something that we've really dove into before but i'm curious any visual impression aside and maybe even venue location aside and maybe to a lesser extent instrument aside what was it about that first exposure to playing this music with that original that first band that you played with hooked you in terms of the music because i think sometimes people listen to recordings or listen to other bands or know of the music from like the background of ken burns or something Mm -hmm. and some people don't get it and having played that music even not on the correct instrument you know at the time you know not a 19th century instrument what about it hooked you and and made you become interested in that type of repertoire um i guess looking back on it i mean you know i'm I'm a huge fan of john philip Sousa. like he's one of like my like hero guys like he just like i just love those old marches and um these were you know anytime we would get into playing like these quick steps that i had never heard before or even i don't even know at that point if i'd ever heard the term quick step mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean, and um, even though it wasn't always like the best quality of sound, like when we played things like uh, I'm trying to think, there was one that they were doing that was one of these um, Hazelton charts. It's called Down in a Coal Mine. Mm-hmm. It's just like a great chart, but like you never hear it anywhere. Like this is great music that no one, like you just people just aren't exposed to unless they're in yeah. this hobby. So mm-hmm. I guess it must have caught my ear, and I just you know because then the next thing i knew like that's all i was doing like it's like i'm i'm the kind of guy like i'm like all or nothing like i'll go all in like immediately so like mm-hmm. as soon as we played i was like i was trying to find any kind of recordings i could of any of this kind of music so it was like america's brass band you know um 
there's a, a great it's not the Yankee brass band that plays all the time, but there's a Yankee brass CD and then yeah, Serenade band. Yes, that's exactly right. You know, you know, the one I'm talking about, like mm. all these great things. So then I just started listening. It just kind of like started steamrolling. And then I was like, I got to get all in. So I'm like looking for instruments. So it just all went, you know, from all or nothing. So I guess, I guess it had to be like that whole pre John Philip Sousa thing. Like I just kind of like fell in love with it to see like where he eventually got it. Yeah, from. So it's like, like that, I didn't at that point I didn't know that that I didn't know enough about Sousa to know that you know that he was a kid you know what around all those civil war bands and what what an influence that had on him that music I didn't know mm -hmm. that at the time yeah. uh, but uh you know I think yeah. that's I think and you know what and beyond the music the thing with it like they were just like a really nice group of people and made it easy mm -hmm. to enjoy it and go out and do it you know what I mean yeah, I don't know if playing with one of these higher caliber bands if like if that's your first impression that can be a little intimidating you mm -hmm. know what I mean? so maybe that's a turn off a little bit sometimes you know because you're yeah, not true. really you know you're not free to be me you know what i mean mm -hmm. you kind of have or trying to put on airs or do whatever you do as a musician in that group you know listening to hear this was a nice comfortable easy community <laughs> to the hobby you know what i mean yeah. mm -hmm. so i've been very fortunate in that way like to to have like those um you know signposts as you go along like i think i was where i needed to be at a certain yeah. time to yeah. it, it just all worked out yeah mm -hmm. that's awesome so the the community aspect in addition to what sounding like the interest of learning of like the historical context behind the bread and butter of what we play and teach in school with the concert mm -hmm. band kind of thing and, right. and kind of seeing where that came from yeah, right and, that's a, awesome. and of course like i later would go on like they're a great um and maybe you 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 came across this in your research but i mean there are some really fine um transcriptions for concert band of some of that stuff that's like you that i did with my high school group that's really um achievable by high school groups like i know we did uh Freischitz Quickstep, like there's a great band arrangement of that out that we played for. We went out and did these things, and, and maybe your listeners aren't aware of, like, you know, as far as like high school band things and what you do is you take these kids out to these events called like Music in the Parks, where mm -hmm. you'll go to like a, a, a you know, a, a great adventure. But before you do that, you go to like a local high school near that park and you play three tunes for like this adjudicating staff. So we took one of these charts out. Uh, which was it was the Freischitz quick step mm. and um, nice. and played it, you know, in, you know, for a, a, a ranking. It's, it's they say it's not competition, but like underneath it's competition. So we did it for this competition yeah. and the judges were like, that's cool. I had never heard this. Before. You know, it was something we were bringing out that, you know, so yeah. I feel like myself being engaged with this hobby also helped me um, to be a better, you know, music educator because i i know for a fact that unless you're like involved with this hobby like we are as a music teacher and it's probably that way with anything that other that music teachers get into that um not a not everybody's into it but like i know my kids are getting getting that um exposure because i'm involved with it whereas normally if i weren't involved with it my kids would have never known anything about you know really civil war music Civil War era military music, anyway. So I mean, I think that that's that that also helped me to have another dimension of being a teacher, if that makes sense. 
mm-hmm. you know, things I could bring to my kids. Yeah. Um, that maybe, you know what, they'll go back, you know, and they'll, if they, I have a lot of kids that become music teachers and, and they'll be like, you know, my band director did X, Y, Z. And I remember doing that and I'm going to do it with my kids. So like, it's almost like you're perpetuating, you know, the knowledge so that like, hopefully like, that's my main concern with this hobby is like, I would hate to see this music just kind of fade away. Like if it's not like for what you guys are doing or what, you know, a lot of the bands you talk to are doing like this, I really do in my heart of heart believe like that this music would be, it'll be, it would be forgotten. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's going to know Dixie. Everybody's going to know Battle Hymn of the Republic, but you know, but you know, those are like the, or what everybody just, you know, the gold standards, but there are a lot of other gold standards that people just don't know about. And I think yeah. that if we didn't do it, I really do feel like this, this would, this music mm-hmm. would just fizzle and fade away to antiquity. reading there's this great book i can't remember it was it, it's a recent book within the past couple of years that came out and i read it and it, what the what the book does and if i can remember it I'll, I'll email it to you what it was you guys probably know what it is because it was like a book that you wouldn't have to go to a bookstore to buy like i think i bought it at walmart and it was kind of mm-hmm. like the cover it has like you know this antiquated looking american flag cover to it it was like american music through war or something i, I can't remember what it was but it it kind of it starts off like with um you know revolutionary war but like there's not a lot in there a little bit of civil war touches but like it's more like starting specifically like more with like world war ii and then like it really i guess because it's a a popular book you know for people that would pick it up that aren't necessarily into musicology or whatever but um the book has to do with a lot of like the vietnam war era music all the way up through where we are politically like you know with our well it it ended with the trump presidency so like it hadn't Hmm. election hadn't happened or anything like that and um a great point and i don't know what can be done to fix it and this is kind of out of the context realms of the civil war but so has to do with music that uh pushes the realm politically and people can speak i mean you know a lot of those civil war tunes we're rah-rah for whatever side you were going to be on or, or versus anti-slavery or, or those kinds of things. Um, I think that after Vietnam, music hasn't really spoken to the politics of the world that we live in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I, I think that it's become, <clears throat> if, if it is, it's fringe. Like it's not something you're going to go hear on the radio. Like I think during the seventies, you could have put on, the radio and heard these anti-war songs or pro mm. uh you know patriotic songs like and you just don't the music today does not have that to it and i think it's important that we look back and say look you know music used to play a very very important um role in telling us what our country was was for and against and what we as a people stood for or you know what certain people stood for mm-hmm. and i think that that's lost in music today and i think if we don't continue to like push that that was a thing that part of our 
American history will also be forgotten that just music in general, regardless of civil war, but any kind of music really used to have, um, you know, there, it was powerful in, in telling people, the government, the world, what the United States stood for. Yeah, it was that, its own. That makes it, sense. Was, it was its own tool, not just like recreational listening. Yeah, right? yeah. It wasn't yeah. like they didn't just take a poem and set it to, you know, to music or text and set it to music. It it said something. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it, it's songs of America, John Meacham and Tim McGraw. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it. And it has like this American flag. Is like the. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. kind of wooden. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. John Meacham and Tim McGraw. I do remember hearing about that. Yeah. It seems yeah. like yeah. maybe the what the most recent example of something like that that I can think of would be like God Bless the USA during 9-11. But that was like an older song before that. He had written that, I think, in the 80s. And they just reused it for or it just became popular again kind of at 9-11. But that the power of a song i think i can't really yeah. think of any other examples the, the one that then. the one that like now that you said that stands up because i think even that example would probably not be something like you would hear a lot on the radio but i remember growing up as a kid in the 80s like but like <laughs> you know somebody who still does that is like bruce springsteen like when he had born in the usa mm-hmm. you know he kind of mm-hmm. like explains what it was like to 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 you know to be a, a a blue-collar worker in the united states i mean that's to me like that's screaming like that's a it's a great um screen capture of what america was at that time when that song came out mm-hmm. like, you know what i mean like, we just don't i just don't think that uh like i said unless i'm sure there are singers that do it but i don't think that um commercially it's probably not like a a smart thing <clears throat> for like current artists to do because i just don't think now now we're going down this rabbit hole. The one that comes to mind now is This is America by Childish Gambino. That's all about yeah. uh, gun violence and being black, being black in America and stuff. When, mm-hmm. That's oldish now. I don't know. What did that come out like five or six years ago? You know? uh, I think it's more recent than that. I think it was like two or three. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing that music video for the first time. And but, well, well, you know what? And that's, that's a good point. You know, I think now that you say that, I think that maybe like, the whole urban music scene that might be the only place right now where you do hear music about what's going on Mm -hmm. in the country you know what i mean like there's there's something you know it's meaningful it's saying it's saying something about life you know Mm -hmm. in america from a certain point of view from a certain perspective i know Um, it's happening in other countries too like i know like in 2010 uh in the Middle East during what they call the Arab Spring, that music mm-hmm. was a big part of the the Middle East uprisings, like Egypt, uh, mm-hmm. like when that when that was going on, like around 2010. And then right now, where is it in Cuba? That there's a that there's a there revolt yeah. going on. There's a yep. song that's rallying everybody in Cuba. Is it called something Ida, something in life? I forget exactly mm-hmm. what's called. But, so yeah. I just so don't know that music's important. <laughs> so. Yeah, true. Yeah, very true. You know, which is, uh, you know, which is, I think, you know, getting back to the Civil War thing, I think that that's a lot of the music, and that's another reason why it was so important, because I think, you know, especially for abolitionists and things like that, I mean, they they, they did their work through song a lot of times. The uh, Hutchinson family, I don't know if yeah. you're familiar with them, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, they did the tour and went around, and it just doesn't happen anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I don't know. So I think it's important that we 
we keep that part of history going through this whole Civil War music hobby. Although, you know, a lot of the music we play and the bands that maybe does not speak to those certain things. It's more like rah-rahs or, you know, I'm sad because my girl I left behind, you know, those kinds of things in music. But yeah. that's still still important as well. And then it gets into the, the greater conversation, too, about just teaching history in general. Like mm -hmm. the more time that passes, the more history has happened. So like the harder it is to kind of fit stuff within, right? you know, an academic year to teach everything. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like, and there's, there's movements to kind of rectify this to a certain extent, but like, yeah, it seems like if we're talking about the early American band movement, either brass band or early concert band historical movement, we've discussed multiple times on the show how that's essentially uh, neglected in colleges and that's not talked about at all. Um, if that is to get worked back in, we're probably going to have to budget that time as well and maybe not spend as much as we would like to just at least give them like a, a starting spot, a starting point mm -hmm. to like a jumping off point to maybe learn more about it and right. ex expose them to it in the first place. And then the kind of the rest is up to them. Maybe. Right now, I, I know, um, you know, <laughs> being around the music education scene, I, I know that a lot of like your general music classes, like at least elementary level, um, they do do some, like there's always a unit on uh, when Johnny comes marching home. Like that's like, you know, kids around the world know that like there's, that's a civil war song of like another one, like that, you know, that's one of the, you know, the, the standard bearers of what, of what we do. And I know kids do get exposure to things like that. And, and Gilmore, not so much, but a little bit like when they talk about composers, but there's, there's not a lot of it you're right out there. And I mean, as far as like the, at the secondary education level, um, now I don't know many, I know there are at my high school where I teach my first year there, I did teach, um, a general music class. And I know the teacher that still teaches there, Paula, uh, she teaches it and she does a great job that, um, the books that, that she uses does not really hit on that it kind of like skips all that and goes to like world music like what are they yeah. listening to venezuela like you know mm -hmm. what you know or the history of rock those kinds of things like i think uh you know not just civil war but i mean just you know revolutionary war had a lot of great music with it too and mm -hmm. world war one you know with the anniversary coming up like there's just a lot of a lot of things out there that I, I think you guys are doing a great job of keeping it and attempting to keep it relevant, um, you know, here on the good old World Wide Web, you know, what I mean? yeah. that's, that's a, an easy place to access. Like, like, so if I said to my kids, uh, you know, you know, so for next week, we're going to do something with, on Civil War music, I need you to go to and then I would give them your site, mm -hmm. you know, pick yeah. one of the podcasts and listen to it. And mm -hmm. then we're going to discuss it. Like, yeah. that's, those are things that you know, I think would be make a great part of any kind of curriculum as far as music history goes, yeah. you know, or even yeah. at the collegiate level, like you guys, I mean, you know, I had to take music styles. I don't know what it's called when you guys were going through it. So we would do, I think we had to take three semesters of it and it was, uh, it took us all the way back from Gregorian chant all the way up through, you know, 12 tone and 21st. Well, I guess it was 20th century at that point. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean? But there was there was nothing, nothing 
on this kind of music where yeah. it would have it would have been nothing for our professors just to say look here check this out go listen to one of their podcasts pick one anyone you want that has interest to you mm-hmm. and you know come up and you're going to talk in front of the class for 10 minutes on it yeah. you know i think that that's a really worthwhile thing and hopefully maybe you guys can promote doing stuff like that yeah yeah that'd yeah. be awesome we're we're always excited for the prospects of you know getting stuff in in front of people in different ways and exposing it to to everybody right. so definitely something yeah. we're interested in it's just yeah if if elementary school students are exposed to when Johnny comes marching home and Patrick Gilmore, I know for a fact that the two main just music general music history textbooks that the majority of colleges use is they right. might mention Sousa, they might mention Frederick Fennell and Eastman, but it's like oh, I've a parag- never seen Fennell, but yeah, but Sousa usually you know, but yeah, but it's like a paragraph or two. But it's like if anybody's yeah. going to be learning about that style and time period of music to inform their education right. and their performance in the future, you would think it would be at that college level, you know, where you're preparing right. students for that career. And it's, it's mm-hmm. largely not, right. not happening. Um, getting back to, to your role of preservation and your role in this community with the Fort Delaware Cornet Band, you mentioned that you guys are all on period instruments, right? Because you were kind of modeling yourselves after uh, your experience with Federal City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, are those band owned or are you, do you expect members of the band um, to purchase their own? I own a few of them, but most of the guys that play in the band own their own. Mm-hmm. Um, the drummers own their own. Uh, you know, I think uh, John, our bass drummer, plays on a Cooperman. And then Dan, our snare drummer, he uh, he bought a reproduction off of Garmin, who I believe you've had on mm-hmm. show Garmin Bowers. Um, and he comes and plays with our group occasionally, too. But he bought that. And then the rest of them were playing on all originals. And I think the cornet players own theirs. The tenor player owns theirs. And I own the altos and and the uh the bass horn okay there you go yeah nice are you guys also on period mouthpieces or, or is the makeup of the band you know people who have to kind of hop from modern horns for well, other I things know, to... like, this, is, this is gonna sound like sacrilege like i know myself i play on a modern mouthpiece like mm-hmm. I, it's just so much i do a lot of tuba playing just outside of this and like it's really for me to get a quality sound i put that little trombone mouthpiece thing on you know that's the period mouthpiece for the horn for the tube i'm like i can't get any kind of good sound out of it maybe if i did like real work on it like in mm-hmm. the, but i i abashedly say i don't practice the e-flat bass horn all that much yeah, yeah. Um, luckily us tuba player guys like the music is not that difficult that's like true, if i were true. playing the e-flat cornet part then i'd have to shed a bit right um but any, anyway, that's me personally. I think in the group, most of the guys, the cornet players are playing and our tenor player and the alto players, I think they're all playing on on period mouthpieces. Nice. And yeah. are you? do you guys have open invitation for everybody, anybody that wants to play, or do you have membership restrictions no, for your we, band? We don't um, because we keep the group small. And one thing, another thing, like I like to look around at what other groups. So when I was playing with Beck's band, 
anytime that we would have a job proposed to the group, it would always, oh my gosh, I can make it, I can't make it. <laughs> so when you've got like 20 people to like try to make jobs happen, mm-hmm. and if I knew if I was going to be running the job, uh, you know, the band, I didn't want to deal with that. So I keep it small so that I know like I have less people that would have conflicts. Mm-hmm. So um, we don't open it up mm-hmm. to just anybody to come out and play and we do there's like an expectation like we don't practice so like when we maybe we'll do once a year we'll get together and just read through some charts that we don't normally do mm-hmm. but like you've got to be able to when with the group you got to be able to play or you got to be able to come in and play it and play it well so that we can just do it for a gig and, mm-hmm. and move on so we don't you know there's a place for people to go and do those kinds of things to sit in and get that experience but mm-hmm. You know, and I don't say that with any, you know, speaking negatively of any other band. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like we're, we're talking down, but like, you know, our group is specifically the same guys we use all the time. Yeah. And, you know, unless we have an opening or something for a sub, that's the only way that we'll, you know, bring mm-hmm. in someone outside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is the band, you know, usually one or two on a part or is that it's how small you keep it? Yeah, we keep it. It's like a, I, like a brass quintet with two percussion the only thing i double or that we double is the e-flat cornet part because that Mm -hmm. can get a little cumbersome at times you know the guys need a rest so we usually go two e-flats one alto one tenor slash baritone tuba and then percussion a snare yeah Yeah, it's funny i kind of tend to i'm relating everything back to that francis johnson book just because that's what i'm like currently reading but i was surprised at the the size of his group when he was working uh, you know, in Philadelphia in the, the first, you know, half of his life, the book was saying like normally his, when, when they say like Johnson's band, it was like five people, the biggest, you know, group I've seen so far is 10, uh, you know, and that was only for very special occasions. So right. it's, right. yeah. That's why I don't feel too bad about it. Like, cause I know when people went like that, that term band, you immediately think it's like a 20 piece group, <laughs> yeah. you know, we call that, you know, a, a high flutin futuristic people, we call it a brass quintet. But back in the day, that was, you know, band was just a group of musicians that got together no matter what the yeah. size was small or large. And, you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all what you're, uh, you know, where, where you're looking at it from as far as what you consider mm-hmm. a band. Yeah. Yeah, I know during like the colonial period when they had bands of music and stuff, those were, right. you know, eight to ten musicians yeah. and they they were bands. So Yeah. yeah. And I mean, even looking like when I did this this book that I did on the on the local research stuff, I mean, I had a lot of photos in there. Mm-hmm. These bands were, you know, max maybe a dozen. You know, some were like six to eight. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's really not a the a modern band is a lot bigger but you know back in the day you know it's just a group of people getting together to do the thing because if you look at a lot of those old folios from like the civil war area it was like can be played with as few as four players you know what i mean so it's a little bit of like the salvation army kind of exactly. tradition with it that yeah, they're the, able to kind of mix it yeah those little bit. green new bank books with the uh yeah. Christmas <laughs> barrels or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> So with uh, the uniforms of the band, is that owned by you or the band or does each Those member guys, have to go out and get their own? They get their own. Okay. They, I have a few extra jackets for, you know, if we need guys to, to sub or whatever, but mm-hmm. the guys, they have bought their, all of their own uniforms. 
Do you guys have multiple impressions? Like, do you have like a civilian and a union kind of thing, or? No, we just we just did the union artillery band, because um, the Fort Delaware band was a, a an artillery band. Okay, nice. Mm. Um, but um, we've talked about with like, you know, the political climate, and I've talked to other bands also same thing. Like, I mean, there the time may come where if we still want to continue to play. Uh, regu- more regularly that maybe it is something that we'll have to consider is going, you know, doing like a serenade band, like calling it like the, that's what I was called the Fort Delaware serenade band to try to take away any kind of military civil mm-hmm. war, which I hate to do, mm-hmm. but if we want to play um, or, you know, Victorian band, the Fort Delaware Victorian band or something like that. Mm-hmm. We've, we've toyed with it, but we mm-hmm. haven't jumped on that just yet. Yeah. Um, because that's, you know, some of the guys they do it because they enjoy the civil war aspect of it they may not enjoy playing civilian and you know and other tunes they're more you know they like to play what we play um and beyond that you know it's expensive to go out and outfit everybody up again you know with civilian clothes and and then what if you do it and it kind of like tanks and you still end up just doing the the civil war thing more than you would the other so we've talked about it um but we haven't we haven't made that jump yet, but I know some mm-hmm. other bands, specifically guys that are doing Confederate bands that are like, you know, if we want to continue to do this thing, we're going to have to maybe think outside the box and figure out what else we can do to keep playing. Yeah. Yeah. With uh, trying to be kind of grounded in the civil war with your guys' impression in your band, do you guys do any rep from after 1865 or do you try to do 1865 and prior with music that you guys play? We we try to stay right with 1865, uh, you know, not with, but you know, prior and up to 1865. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. The only thing that we do, which is, you know, is taboo amongst some of the guys. Once in a while, we'll play a Shokin farewell, <laughs> which yeah. you know, you know, a lot of like the purists are like, "Oh my God, what are you doing <laughs> doing that?" I'm like, "Yeah, oh, you know, we do tell them that it, you know the tune was like written in the 80s and that it was not for." Mm-hmm. It was not Civil War, but, you know, it was, you know, Ken Burns loved it and this, that, and the other thing. So when we do it, we do it as our warm-up before we actually start. Because we dig the tune. Or if we do it, very rarely do we do it in concert. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we do it with, like, a big, you know, asterisk next to it. Like, Mm -hmm. this is not Civil War. Don't go and say that. You know, because it's almost like you get to a point where, like, you're afraid, like, somebody's going to record it and put it online. And then, like, everybody, oh. Look at those Farby guys. Yeah, they didn't even play. You know, yeah. Sports, so, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. That's what we I mean, opened my uh, lecture recital. We opened it with a Shokin farewell. It's a great yeah. tune. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, works so, well for brass. We <laughs> yeah, so that's the one. That's that's the one that we do that is not of the period. But other than that, we try to stay strictly within. Um, so I know like some like the Stratton military journal stuff is technically published after the civil war, but the tunes were likely written, you know, during kind of things. Yeah. So you guys yeah. play Stratton stuff. We do play Stratton stuff. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So I guess, yeah, if any of that stuff was afterwards, but I mean, again, a lot of it is like that rah, rah stuff, the mm-hmm. marquee kind of, you know what I mean? The stuff, yeah, yeah, definitely. you know, specific yeah, all, to the war. Yeah. It all fits within the period. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Do you have any, notable kind of performances or events that kind of stand out in your guys's run so far that uh you're particularly proud of or any yeah. fond memories from anything specifically 
yeah, what I like to do and what I think the group likes to do is we love anytime we get a chance to play in Gettysburg, like to where there was like a his, historical significance to the war and we get an opportunity to play there. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the ones that stand out in my mind. Um, we had done a job and I can't remember exactly what it was in, in Gettysburg. There is, it's the old train station. I don't know if you're familiar with that in Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think it's, you know, we're Lincoln caught you know got off the train this that and the other thing and um they were having a ceremony the town i forget how we got i think it was through through joel cribs that we got the job um the the town of gettysburg was doing this like sister city ceremony um with a town from or city or village or whatever from japan so they had all these it was like all the town muckety mucks from Kettysburg and then like all the muckety mucks from this village in Japan hmm. and they were all there and they did like this you know signing of whatever the paper was that declaring that they were now sister cities and hmm. this that and the other thing and they it was cool because in the um in one of the museums in town they had put all this like great like uh like you know like there were like samurai armor and all this stuff you know, they were like kind of like juicing up, you know, everything between these two cities. So it was cool. So when we were there, we had uh, a friend of ours, they had asked to have somebody stand, you know, it was like this ceremonial thing to stand guard. So I have this guy, a friend of mine, Sean, that's a Civil War reenactor. So he came and did the thing standing at attention. And next to him was like, a guy that they had brought like that was in like this traditional samurai armor <laughs> and like it was cool we had to play the japanese national anthem on our period instruments it was like <laughs> it was like this really whole cool affair which is like you know i'd never been able to be able to do if i wasn't doing like this civil war band thing like you know what i mean i never would have had this opportunity yeah. to do something like this so that's, that's one that cool. sticks out to me and we got to play the other one is we we're on the um Oh, the Victorian Dance Ensemble, I think that's their name. Um, they had done a, a DVD on um, teaching the, the dances of the Civil War ball. Mm-hmm. And we got, to, we got to go and record in the rotunda at, um, out in Harrisburg. Uh, that's okay. where they did their, their video. So nice. we got to do, uh, you know, the music for that. And that was kind of cool. That was a neat experience because it was, you know, it was a recording experience that we had never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was that was that you guys playing while they were dancing, or you did a separate? Uh, like, yeah, that was, what was kind of weird about it. Like, I don't know if they had really thought everything through because normally that's what you would think. Like, we would go do our thing separately, and then they would like pipe in their music and they would do their dance to it, so that to make sure everything was like precise. They had us play. And recorded us while we were playing them mm. dancing and they were recording them dancing and us playing at the same time like mm. we had our own set of mics but like they were off it was kind of weird because they like they had us get dressed in our period gear and then we never appeared on the video all you did was <laughs> hear us so it was kind of like this weird it was this weird thing but anyway it was a cool experience anyway to get to play there and and you know uh do that with such a great group of dancers yeah um, nice that's pretty cool yeah, and we always and and one last one I'll tell you is another Gettysburg thing is we play. I don't know if you're familiar with um, Prince of Peace Church in Gettysburg. 
it yeah. was it's the church in Gettysburg that they built after the battle. Um, but it was built in it's a, it's a memorial church to the Civil War soldiers. Mm -hmm. So I think it was built like in I want to say like 1876 or 1888. Some some I looked it up last night because I wanted to tell you and then I was like, oh, I won't remember. And here <laughs> it is, I don't remember. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so anyway, we play there every Remembrance Weekend. We go on that Sunday before everybody's heading out of town from the weekend is, you know, we, we go there and play a church service for them in that historic church, which is cool. And then we put on like a little mini concert afterwards. Mm -hmm. And it's cool. Nice. Cause you get some of the people that are leaving town, but they show up in their, you know, uh, in the civil war dress and, mm -hmm. and it's, it's kind of cool. So those are the kind of things that are kind of memorable. So you did uh, like a recording project, the Hazleton Liberty Brass Band. What? How did that come about? Um, you know, and where'd you guys get all the music and all, right, and now, all that here's good a, stuff? Here's the story. All right, <laughs> this is a story. So one of the guys that plays in our band is plays also with the 28th Pennsylvania Band. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys that plays with the 28th Pennsylvania Band, his name is Tom Mort. And the story goes... I'm going to give you the real story because it's been so long ago. There was like a cover story because I didn't want to get anybody in trouble. But this is this was back like in the early 90s that, that all oh, this yeah. happened. So I'll just tell you what happened. So, <laughs> Statue of limitations has passed. So you're good. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so a friend of Tom's was, um, and this was like I said, early early 90s or late 80s. I can't remember, but it was, it's been a while, 30, 40 years ago. Um, he had a friend that was, did, did like this whole you know sometimes if somebody's moving or whatever they come in and clean out the house and i guess it was maybe it had been a i don't know if it was a vacant home or someone had passed or whatever mm -hmm. anyway um the guy went and in the attic there in this box he found all this music didn't know where you know didn't have any clue as to what they were going to chuck it it was just like trash but he knew that tom mm -hmm. was a musician so he luckily he called Tom and was like, look, I, you know, and I, I think a lot of guys do that. If you have a friend that does that, say, if you ever find anything, this, let me know before you <laughs> yeah. throw it out. So he called Tom and lo and behold, it was the complete set. I think it had everything except for some of the percussion stuff. And um, I don't think it had a piccolo book with it. Mm. And it was all the Hazleton stuff. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And so they got it together and they took it back the 28th and they had somebody kind of put it into like early music notation like you know like back in the early 90s late 80s it was kind of like noteworthy composer kind of where it was really yeah. it was really 
you know, so you look at some of this old stuff like this ledger lines all the way across the page because you couldn't mm. figure out how to get rid of it. You know, all this weird <laughs> stuff. And there were no real edits to it. They just wrote it as they saw it. So mm. there were a lot of mistakes and stuff in there. So anyway, they were going to record this stuff. They were like, okay, we found this stuff. You know, we're going to record it. Well, then lo and behold, politics or whatever, like you said on that fa- on their page, like the band broke up. Mm-hmm. So they split between, went into Bex and then the 28th. So the long story short, they never had the opportunity to do it. So this music had been sitting around for 30 years. And Jeff, the guy who plays in our group, you know, I said to him, I knew this music was out there. I said, well, talk to Tom, see if, you know, we've got period instruments. Everybody can kind of play, see if he'd be interested in letting us record it. And I, if he's agreeable, I'll, you know, photocopies have been made for better or for worse, whether you're supposed to do that or not. But I figured it had been in an attic for hundreds of years. So yeah. <laughs> somebody, they had scanned it before. So it wouldn't copyright have. has expired. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, well, I mean, just, I don't know if like that, like degrades the paper oh, or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't uh, know, you know, but like I said, it was in an attic. So it's mm-hmm. not like, you know, anyway, that happened before I got a hold of it anyway. So we got the copies of it and I said, you know, if you guys are cool, if he's cool with it, you know, have him come out, have him come sit in and play on the recording. I won't play. I'll just go ahead and conduct it so that there's somebody up in front. He can play the tuba part. I, you know, I don't care. And um, if he lets us do it, uh, that'd be great. I'll get with Yari and Yari can once over it and he can put it into, you know, modern music notation software. Mm-hmm. And also he can edit out any of the bloopers that are in there, you know, or at least, you know, have a high degree of certainty of what something probably, what their intention was, but maybe mm-hmm. wasn't written correctly, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, definitely. Old, those old things are, you know, and it's all handwritten anyway. Um, so he was cool with it. Um, you know, so we paid Yari to, and one, and the couple of the band, one band guy, who's another band director, he took a shot at a couple of the charts and put them into notation for us too and edited them. Um, and that's how it came about. So in order to pay for it, I just put it on Facebook. I was like, look, it, it, cause it's, it's expensive. I mean, Yari's a friend, but I mean, that's work to go through those things and do the thing. You know, I don't expect somebody to do that for, for free. And he's like, he's one of the guys in the hobby that like, you know, people, when he does something, it, it has a little bit of weight to it. You know, he, he knows mm-hmm. his stuff. Yeah. So we asked for donations online and, and people were very generous. So we were able to pull it off. Nice. And then one of the guys has all the recording equipment. So we found a local church and recorded a bunch of the stuff. Um, we didn't have enough money to get the entire book done at the time, but subsequently over the past couple of years, since we've done it, we have gotten the entire book done. Nice. Um, so that's going to be our next recording is going to be doing a full Hazleton thing uh, with all the music. In addition, I think we're going to maybe do a Christmas CD. I'm not sure of like Victorian era Christmas music. Yeah. Um, But that's the recording. And now something you might find interesting is this Hazleton Liberty band. um, They're still in existence today. The Hazleton band uh, is a community band that still is in Hazleton and their lineage is directly from this Hazleton Liberty band. Um, So they're still in... um, in existence and the thing that's really interesting 
is that they still own all the original instruments from the Civil War era band. Nice. They still have them. Um, now, what was weird is when we, when we were doing all this, I kind of reached out to them and didn't get a whole lot of feedback from them. Like it was kind of, I don't you know, in their defense, I only did it online and I don't know, yeah. maybe they weren't tech savvy, the people that, you know, because I think, I think their website is attached to like a local hardware store's website. Like if you go on that site, there'll be like a little link, Hazleton band, and you have to click on that to get to where you're going. Because I think one of the guys owns the local hardware store that's in the band. So they must've been like, we'll just use this website. Just yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. this weird, like convoluted thing to get any kind of information. Um, yeah. So nothing really <laughs> came of it, but I know that there was a, a point where they had their own hall and there was a possibility of them losing that hall. But in this hall, they had like all the instruments on display. Yeah. Well. So I hope that, you know, that they didn't decide when, if they lost their hall, that they were going to like decide to play, you know, get rid of the instruments. Is that the other thing? Um, because I know that initially when the 28th Pennsylvania was going to do the recording, they had approached them and said, look, we want to do this recording you lend us all the instruments, we'll have them repaired. And because I don't think they were all in great playing shape, yeah. if at all, mm -hmm. we'll have them reconditioned and we'll do the recording on those instruments of that music. Yeah. And they kind of like hem and hauled, I think, the Hazleton group did. And the, the story I got from when they tried to do it, like in, in that early 90s when they were doing it, all that Hazleton, I guess maybe the community band had really kind of fallen in hard times as far as membership goes. They didn't have many. And they were more or less, well, they were more wanting to get the people in the 20th Pennsylvania to come out and be regular members of the Hazleton band. Mm -hmm. And that just was not, you know, they were in two different spots. That's not what they had envisioned. Mm -hmm. So I think that it being that, you know, today to have an actual band's original books and their original instruments yeah. still in existence, I think there are one or two bands in existence. I don't know if the 26th North Carolina is one of them that they still have their instruments and their books. And there's one other one, it might be in Virginia, where those those two things still exist. Yeah, mm. the Staunton Band. That's yeah. it. That's is, Where are they out of? Uh, Staunton, Virginia. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, that is the one. Okay, that's the yeah, Virginia. They're the Virginia. Stonewall Brigade Band. Okay, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah so it that's it's all the same. same. Yeah, and then and then the 26, they are still the, uh, the Winston-Salem community band mm -hmm. so they're still there and they have i think they have like one or two of the insurance and then like sam mickey's cornet i think is with the moravian foundation i think they have okay. it so so the 26 instruments are kind of all over the place but but they um, do have some of them yeah they, they have it they have at least the uh the tuba i think okay over the shoulder yeah. tuba so yeah. hazelton is the other one and not a lot of people yeah. know about the hazelton band yeah. were um, you able to date the music um, what's weird is in the books, we weren't able to date the music, but some of the music in the books, because, you know, some of the titles you would find in other places, because mm -hmm. I saw that was one of your questions about, you know, what about specific about this is different from other bands books. And some of the music was post civil war. The mm -hmm. titles were post civil war. Mm -hmm. So I know that and I guess nobody really knows. Like, I mean, those guys, it's a possibility they brought these books back after the war and mm -hmm. then they just continued to write out charts after the war to mm -hmm. put in the books. So we weren't able to, 
we know that they were in the Civil War, you know, that the, this band did go off and these are their books. And a lot of these tunes are Civil War era. So we know like it dated to the Civil War, mm-hmm. but we don't know anything about um, post-Civil War. Some of the stuff is post-Civil War that's in the- Gotcha. Hmm. You know, who was so, the band attached to, do you recall? It was a small community band in 1859. They were a coal mining band. And since your September 13th, 1861, the band enlisted and became the regiment band of the 11th Pennsylvania Volunteer Infantry. Mm-hmm. And then when, you know, 1862, when they booted out majority of the bands, they mm-hmm. re-enlisted in 1864 as part of the 198th Pennsylvania Volunteers. Mm-hmm. And then in their in their written history, they I know that they marched in that review after mm-hmm. the war in D.C. Yeah. The band did march that because in, in, in one of the... Um, things that I read, there's somebody, there must, I forget what the tune was, but it was like a specific Hazleton tune, like that the townspeople knew the band for. And, you know, I guess there were townspeople from Hazleton there and they, they got all jacked up when they heard, you know, <laughs> coming down the street, they heard like their tune and they were like, that's oh, our band. They were playing. Like, yeah. So I know for, awesome. you know, in the, yeah, like in the oral history of the, you know, of the band that they were down there. So that's such a interesting thing that i know steven and i we've talked about a few times that like we want to explore it more on this show is just all these handful of community bands in the country that do have that that pre or during war history and continue to exist in some in some form because like the band that i played with on long island growing up is only celebrating its 75th anniversary this year or last year yeah, it's a baby band compared to like yeah. what Steve Steven played in a group that uh that was, you know, a regimental band during the war and existed mm-hmm. beforehand. And then yeah, knowing all the ones that, that we previously mentioned, like I guess the the Hazleton band, oh, but then also yeah. Stoughton and uh Winston Salem and there's gotta be countless others that still have some lineage, you know, going back to that time. It's just so yeah. interesting and it'd be interesting to see what current members either just like regular bands people of the bands or if they have a historian or a director like gauging what their knowledge is of that kind of history yeah i know that the perseverance band the band that i grew up playing with in lebanon um you know they know that they had a civil war history but not much uh about what happened before and actually i'm on their website now and their website says that uh, they were founded as the 93rd regimental band, but I know, I think that's not true because I know the historical society has um, meeting minutes and budget books from a few years previous to the civil war. So I think they were, they were like a firehouse band, uh, mm-hmm. perseverance firehouse or hose company or whatever they call it, but it's a fire station. And that that's how it, yeah, that's how it started. And then, you know, like you were saying before, along with many, many other bands, uh, in the Northeast and, and in the South, they enlisted with the local, you know, enlisted regiment. Whoever went, yeah, yeah, the local so. regiment. Yep.
Uh, can you talk maybe just a little bit about uh, the research of the community bands in New Jersey that you were able to do the research on and maybe start with why this became a project for you? Um, well, you know, I, I've, I was born and raised and grew up here in Salem County. And, uh, you know, knowing my, you know, I caught the bug for this history of bands, um, Civil War, and I know studying you know, doing research with, with just the Civil War stuff that almost every small community had a band, you mm -hmm. know, back to the Victorian era. And I had never seen anything on what it was like around here where I live. Um, and I play in two different groups that are specific to this county. I play with our local um, uh, American Legion band out of Salem. And I play with a, a brass group called the Salem County Brass Society, um, which is you know, they didn't come about till the 70s, but I know like mm -hmm. the Salvation Army or not Salvation Army, the um, American Legion band came about um, once, you know, the guys came back from World War II, they, they started the band. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, I had started playing with this American Legion band and there was a gentleman there uh, named Noel Kemp and he had gone to the local historical society some years ago and like photocopied everything he could find that mentioned band in the county mm -hmm. so he had all this in, with the intention he was involved with the historical society he was going to you know start this series when they send out their quarterly newsletter about like maybe a blurb about specific bands in the county or music in the county but he never uh was able to get around to do it so i i knew he had it um so i asked him i said hey do you mind can i check this stuff out i like the history of bands this that and he's like sure so he sent me home from rehearsal with like this acme bag full of documents that he had and pictures and um i looked at it i'm like this is great material that no one knows about nobody yeah. has heard of these bands like you know nobody knows like and there was this one specific man charles e glassby that like i call him the founder of the feast of bands in our little area here in salem county like he started like four or five bands and mm -hmm. like became a local band director and that you know, before they were having true music programs in schools, like he was a real pioneer in this area hmm. and um, had never heard of him. And uh, especially with me being like a band director in the county, because I, I, I teach in the county also in Salem County. So that I, you know, and I consider myself a little bit knowledgeable about that stuff. So anyway, I went back to Noel and said, do you mind if I start put this stuff together and maybe, you know, think about doing a book? And that was in January. He's like, nah, take it. I never was able to get around to do it. And if somebody can do it, that would be fine. So I was like, okay, I've never done this before. And it's a lot of information. So it was like, it was all like learning by rote, like the way I was going to do things and mm -hmm. trying to get people that like, so that this edited, I never, uh, who do you go to edit your book when it's just like a little history book. And so all that kind of stuff was, was learning along the way. Um, but so that was January. I took all the stuff and then, in March, everything closed down. That's when COVID hit. So I was uh, so like that kind of gave me an opportunity to take all that stuff he had given me and kind of like give it, get it into some kind of an order. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then when that happened, I don't know if you guys are familiar, there's an awesome uh, resource on, online. It's a paid resource, but it's called um, newspapers.com. Mm -hmm. yeah, and like get me through my dissertation <laughs> oh my god like is that like like not one of the coolest like yeah, resources incredible. ever yeah now, they don't they don't have like the local yokel 
newspaper stuff <laughs> on here for us, but they do have like the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Wilmington Times, which is Wilmington, Delaware, right across the bridge from us. And I think the neighboring county, Cumberland County, they have some of their newspapers and Camden County uh, out of Camden City. So I found that was kind of cool is like, I think that a lot of these newspapers would like, I don't, I don't know how, how it worked then, but anyway, they, they would like copy the same stories in their newspaper from yeah. like other local mm -hmm. newspapers. Mm -hmm. So this on newspapers.com, you could find stuff about the local bands from these papers that they did have. It didn't have to necessarily be the local paper. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and it was great because all I had to do, I just simply started out, they have a search engine just for people that have never used it or whatever, you, mm -hmm. you know how it works. It's just like a Google search. Like, so I would go to the search engine, put in uh, Salem County, New Jersey bands. And then it would like, you would get like this huge amount and then you would just, and it would like yellow highlight, you know, so you could go through each article and find out what it was. And mm -hmm. a lot of them were duplicate articles, but you still had to check it out just in case it wasn't. So it was tedious, but uh, the information um, is out there. So through those two resources of what Noel had given me, plus using this newspapers.com, I was able to put this thing together in roughly about a year and get it out. And like a lot of like my local bandmates that play in the local bands and stuff um, are into it. And I know you had asked a question on the thing about, you know, what did I find interesting about, about this that I didn't know before, or maybe mm -hmm. that I thought was really interesting. And if you look at a lot of these names, like I actually went through and did an index for the book for names mm -hmm. and you look at last names, some of them there are like, and they're not like Smith or Brown, like common last names. Like they're like these family last names where they let, you know, there's like a, a long list of these last names through different generations. Some with like juniors, you know, or oh, yeah. those mm -hmm. kind of things. So a lot of these bands, a, I found that a lot of these players were playing in a lot of different bands at the same time. Like they weren't just, if I knew there was a band in Pennsville, which is a town next to us and I live in Alloway, like I may play in my town band, but you know, they rehearse on Tuesday night. So I'm going to go over and play there on Tuesday. And then on Wednesdays, I'm going to go down in Salem and play. So a lot of these guys all were in the same, you know, they were not a lot of musicians, but the musicians that were there were playing in a lot of different groups to make up these different bands. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, beyond that, a lot of the, like, I know me playing in this American Legion band, there are many people in that band that have grandfathers and great grandfathers that played in these bands. So it also, I found that sort of interesting that like that lineage continued on, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, they may have, uh, you know, I had, they may like have, I, I don't, you know, they may have like instruments sitting at home that they didn't know was a great grandfather or something, you know, mm -hmm. I know I bought, somebody was going to donate, um, it was a snare drum and no, I'm sorry. It was a cornet and a music stand and some other, like a lyre, these kinds of things. And, and it was, uh, mm -hmm. last name was surface S E R F A S S. So I said, okay, this was when I was a band director and I took it and you know, people don't know where it came from this, that, and the other thing. And uh, so I took it, we used it, the kids use it as an extra, you know, if somebody forgot their instrument, I had a cornet, you know, the trumpet, you know, you're not getting out of playing today here. I have this for you. Just clean out the mouthpiece and you're still, oh, you know, Mr. Love, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, so, <laughs> um, so 
it has surface written all over it. I didn't put two and two together. I'm doing this book and in the bands like in the from the early 1900s, here is this Richard Surface was a cornet player in this band. And like the the one that gave me the thing, she had no clue. I think that her, yeah. you know, that her grandfather <clears throat> and she did have a clue because I reached out to her because I knew her from high school. I said, did you know your grandfather did was his name Richard was he the and she kind of like was indignant well what do you of course I did don't you remember I gave you that cornet with his name on yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I knew he was <laughs> in a band I didn't I was like oh well if you have any picture you know like I, then I went the whole you know mm-hmm. do you know anything about it? so mm-hmm. you know it's it's that's I just so think cool. that's kind of fun you know to, to see the generations wise that you know the, you know there's still a lot of people are are keeping music relevant as part of their family legacy yeah, yeah. definitely did by doing this research and going through the process of writing this book did it give you any ideas of anything you might want to move on to next now that this one is is bound and uh yeah available for purchase (laughs) yeah i think the next the one thing i was just talking about this the other day some friends the next thing i'm going to do is i'm going to hit um the public school bands of salem county okay nice so and then like with the hopes that when that's finished, I can kind of like put the two together into some kind of cohesive. What are you, what are you book? thinking you might find? Like, are you going to see like I, the, the world war one, world war two kind of time of when public school band mm-hmm. programs started exploding kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, teaching at Woodstown, I've already started the process because I know my first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get, luckily I have a decent relationship with a lot of the different school districts here. Cause I mm-hmm. taught at one of the other school districts and went to high school there. Um, so I know, I, I know the principals pretty well at, at a lot of these school districts. So first thing I'm going to do is get into their library and get into their yearbooks. Mm-hmm. Like I know for instance, Woodstown, I think five years ago or so we celebrated our hundredth anniversary, the school, okay. the high school did. So that was like the right. early 1900s. Mm-hmm. So I even in their yearbooks, like I so I went back into the Woodstown because that's where I was and looked in the 1920s. I think that was their earliest yearbook they had. And even it has something as simple. It's not a band and the, the programs hadn't taken off. But like you would find like these things like they had like a, a mandolin ensemble, <laughs> you know, something that's, that we would think of. That's yeah. kind of weird. But like yeah. it wasn't Probably weird. Maybe, in like the a, maybe like a glee club or something, too. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. here's I'm. Being a band guy, I'm not going to get too like into like string programs and okay. and vocal stuff because I think that could like boom open it up into yeah. Whole thing that's that very true. I just yeah. kind of want to stay like, but yeah, but exactly like before music programs were like what we think of traditional music programs like after World War One and World War Two, um, yeah. So that's that's what I think the next thing is going to be. Yeah, that's awesome. Or I might watch a lot of TV. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there's always there's a lot of on TV. So. There's a lot of stuff coming out on Disney Plus, so you can always That's, check all that. And stuff. I'm a Star Wars guy, so like I'm there like. There you go. Yeah, oh I man, they, the they have like. Yeah, they got like six or seven shows coming out. So. <laughs> yeah. The Book we, of Boba Fett, like that's what I'm talking about. You know, yeah, right? there you go. I'm not digging Civil War bands. I'm digging like the intergalactic Civil War. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, the cantina band right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
So, yeah. so this book that you wrote, Jim, is this available on your website or is this yeah, for... That, that can be the lovedombrass.com also. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. We'll yep. be sure to include links to your website. And okay. if there's more direct, direct links available, uh, we'll include those also on our website, on our show notes. Um, I think I already have your, your CD linked on our discography page, okay. but, you Thank know, you. we'll, we'll, we'll be able to, you know, give people easier access to that. And on YouTube, we'll include links in the description mm -hmm. okay. there as well. Jim, this has been a great conversation. We really thank you for your time uh, on a Friday morning here. Uh, we know it's it's valuable, even though COVID is still a thing. And, you know, uh, so we, we definitely thank you for your time. Um, and you kind of plugged stuff, you know, as we were going through, but uh, where's a good place to point people to if they want to learn more about anything, uh, you know, either the album that we mentioned, the book that you mentioned, or, or the Fort Delaware Cornet Band, any of that stuff? Yeah, the best place um, where that information is, it's uh, our website is Ludlam Brass, and that's L-U-D-L-A-M Brass.com. So it's not Ludlam like the author, it's spelled with an A instead of a U. So a lot of times we get, you know, people, I can't find you guys. Well, because <laughs> you spelled it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> L-U-D-L-A as an Amy, M Brass.com. Yeah. Cool. We'll make sure we have that linked in the show notes and the description and everything. Uh, oh, you said like the author, but you are an author, technically. That's well, true. Like, published books. Right, so. like, like the, I'm sorry, like the wealthy author, <laughs> um, not the me author. <laughs> Great. All right, Jim. Well, thank you so much. Right, it was uh, a pleasure and an honor getting to talk to you. And uh, like I said, looking forward to, to hanging out and talking more in the future. Sounds <laughs> good. Definitely. Thanks a lot. Right. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you again so much to Jim Ludlum for coming on the Early American Brass Band Podcast. We really hope that you all enjoyed that conversation and go on our show notes to get links to the, his website to be able to check out more about the groups that he plays with and to be able to purchase his CD and book. Our featured album for this episode is one we mentioned in the body of the episode, Down in a Coal Mine, music of the Hazelton Liberty Brass Band. Uh, they recorded this and released it in 2019. Uh, and like we said in the episode, the CD contains uh, songs that were exclusive to the Hazelton Liberty Brass Band uh, library. Uh, that someone found in an attic. Uh, so that's a very unique story there. Um, and so we're grateful that they took the time to uh, clean this music up and record it. So we'll have links to that on our show notes for this episode. Um, and you can, if you'd like to follow the show, you can do that on all social media platforms and YouTube. That way you don't miss 
anything that we put out or any exciting stuff that we decide to post about pictures and, and whatnot. It's great. We're, it's a fun time over on social media. Music for this episode was provided by the 8th Green Machine Regiment Band from Fairfax, Virginia's George Mason University and the Fort Delaware Cornet Band. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you in the next one.